good morning. Welcome to church. We are glad that you're here. For some of you, this may be your first time. Welcome. We're glad that you're with us. We know we have a lot of people watching online this morning. We are so glad that you're out here, and we're just glad that you're able to join us this morning for worship. Um, whether you're in the room or online, we'd love for you to check into our service so that we know that you're here. You can do that. The instructions are behind me or on the screen. Uh, there's a place there to put prayer requests and to find a full list of all the events going on. It's all there, so make sure you do that each week. Also, um, if you're in the room, as you exit, there is a sheet of paper on the walls out there that has all the events for this much this month. Make sure you grab one. It's got all the information there for what's coming up in the month of December. So, a couple things that are coming up. This is a little bit past December, but we have to sign up right now. Is Night to Shine. We need our volunteers to go ahead and register for Night to Shine. If you can help us with this, this would be amazing. Uh, this is our prom event for people with special needs. And we need people who can dance. We need people who can serve food. We need people who can be like security guards. So there's all sorts of jobs. And it's going to take all of us to pull this off. And so if you can help us, that would be amazing. The instructions are there on the screen on how to register. Second thing is Christmas Eve is coming up really soon. And we hope that your family is ready. We're trying to get ready as a church. And one of the things that we need to do, because it's going to be kind of weird, Christmas Eve is on Sunday, and we're going to have a 10.30 service and a 4 o'clock service. We're trying to make sure both those services are kind of balanced. And one of the ways that we're trying to do that is by you registering for that service. It's really fast. You can text the keyword Eve, and that will give you the ability to register for that service. Just to let us know how big of a party is coming with you and what service you'll be attending be amazing. And then this week, we're super excited. We have a very special event. Uh, Point of Grace will be doing a concert here on Thursday. Now, this is a ticketed event, and so make sure you get a ticket. We're about 75% full. Love for you and your family to be a part of that. Chris, uh, Thursday night, it's going to be a lot of fun. But all that to say, we are glad that you're here this morning. We're, I'm going to pray for us. Oh, we're not. I'm not praying for us. We have a baptism that happened two weeks ago that we want to share with you. So one of the things we like to do is anytime somebody gets baptized in one of our services, we want to share that with all of our services. So if you look to the screen, you'll see a baptism from two weeks ago. This is Emma Thompson. And Emma, uh, I had an opportunity to visit with Emma and her family about a year ago, I think it was, something around that, and, uh, and just had an opportunity to talk with them about what it means to give your life to Jesus and what it means to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And, and she said, I've done that. I've given my life to Jesus. And then we started talking about baptism, and she said, I'm just not ready for that yet. And I love that. Can I tell you? I love the fact that someone says, I'm just, I'm just waiting. I'm, I'm going to make sure that I make that decision when I'm ready to make that decision. And that's really what Emma did. And so a, a few weeks ago, uh, she came down and said, I think I'm ready to take that next step of baptism. And so Emma, I'm so proud of you. And I'm so proud of what God is doing in your life. It's really awesome. Okay. So Emma, have you given your life to Jesus and trusted him as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Emma, it's by your profession of faith in Christ that I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ for baptism. Thank you, thank you, church, for being a church that sees people come to know Jesus as their Savior. It's going to be a great day of worship. Standing in your presence, I 
One more. 
name above every name today, the name of Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Would you please be seated? Amen. I just want to read this to you. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is victory in the name of Jesus. So whatever battle you might be facing, in the name of Jesus, you can experience victory. You can see his work. You can, you can understand his plan. We experience victory and power and strength and might because of Jesus, because of what he has done, because of who he is. And so as we come and we worship, we need to understand who we worship. We need to understand that we worship a God of, of miracles, a God of healing, a God of strength, a God of might. And we invite his presence into our hearts and into our lives. Jesus, the mighty name under which every knee on heaven and earth will bow to the glory of God the Father. This morning as we share communion together as we share the Lord's Supper. I want that to be a reminder to us that when we take the bread and the cup, it reminds us of who Jesus is and what he has done in our lives. That we have an opportunity once again to experience his presence, his goodness, his might, his power. So as we receive these elements, let it be another reminder to us of just who Jesus is in us couple of things I just want to make sure you're aware of. First of all, you don't have to be a member of our church to share the Lord's Supper together. All we ask is that you be a believer in Jesus. If you've given your life to Christ, then we invite you to share the Lord's Supper together. Secondly, in each one of these little slots, there are two cups. Just make sure you grab both of them because the bread will be in one and the juice will be in the other. And that way you can fully participate as we share in the Lord's Supper together. I'm going to have a word of prayer. If our servers would go ahead and come forward, we're going to pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for all that you are. Thank you for the privilege of being in your presence. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the way that you work in our lives. God, I pray that you will, uh, that you will just continue to move in our midst. And God, that everything that is done in this place today, God, that it would be done in your name, for your glory, for your purpose. Speak to us even now as we observe the Lord's Supper together, God. Just allow this to be a message to our hearts of just how much you love us by sending Jesus and him giving his life as a sacrifice on the cross. We are grateful in Jesus' name. me how your hand has never let me go
know that he has been so good to us, to know that he loves us that much, to know that he works in our lives, to know that he has not just put us on this earth and said, well, figure it out, but he walks with us every step of the way, to know that he sent his son so that we might have a relationship with God, to know that we can walk with him every day, to know, not to hope, but to know that we can always trust him no matter what. Whatever we're walking through, he is present. You know, I look around this room and I see people and I see your faces and some of you, I know exactly what you're walking through. Some of you, I, I see you and, I, and I, see, I see your heart and I know that you're going through tough times. Can I just say in the midst of your difficulty, in the midst of your heartache, in the midst of your moment, in the midst of your struggle, God has not left you. He has not forgotten where you live. He knows exactly what you're walking through. And he is walking with you. He loves you. He cares about you. He created you. He gave his son for you. That's what this moment represents. If you would, take that bread and just hold it in your hand for a moment. The bread represents the body of Christ. If there has ever been an example of the reality that God knows our suffering, it is in the body of Christ. He was beaten, battered, bruised, spit on. He was made to walk the way of suffering, the Via Dolorosa. On the way to the cross, he was laid down on a piece of wood and nailed there, hands and feet. He hung to die. He was buried. And the mouth of the tomb was covered with a stone. He suffered. And yet, on the third day, he defeated that suffering. He defeated death. He defeated the grave. He defeated hell. He defeated sin. And so today, as we take the bread, it represents the victory that we have in Christ, not because of anything that we have done, but because of all that he has done. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks for it and he gave it to his disciples. And he said simply, this is my body, which is broken for you as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. In the same way, the cup represents the blood of Christ. The blood that Jesus shed on the cross so that we might have forgiveness of our sins. So we might be made pure and holy and righteous before him. I don't know if you know this, but we don't act very pure and holy and righteous. Our actions, our lives, our choices, our decisions are anything but. And yet, Jesus shed his blood on the cross so that we might be forgiven, pure, holy, righteous. What a gift. So as you take the cup, thank God for his forgiveness. Thank him that he doesn't hold your wrongs against you, but because of the blood that Jesus shed, you are offered forgiveness. Holiness, righteousness. You are made right with God because Jesus shed his blood on the cross. Again, on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took the cup, gave thanks for it, and gave it to his disciples and said, This is my blood, the blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. As often as you do this, do it remembrance of me.
Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your righteousness. Thank you for your goodness. Help us to live in it, to rejoice in who you are. Thank you. Thank you for loving us the way you do. Thank you for sending Jesus so that we might have a relationship with you through the sacrifice he made on the cross. Father, as we experience the Lord's Supper, let us be reminded of his sacrifice and let us look forward to the day that he returns. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it is so good to see you this morning. It is a wonderful day. If you did not get one of these uh, handouts when you walked in, I would encourage you to see one of our uh, friends who are handing them out on the way out. Um, This is a prayer guide for international missions. As a church, every year we take up an offering to support international missionaries. Some of you might have come from churches where you kind of had a missionary that you supported. Um, We have about 5,000 missionaries that we support. And we do that by giving all Baptist churches around, kind of give an offering. And then we put that offering together and we send it to uh, people in the mission field. It allows us to support missionaries without them ever having to come off the field so that they can build support. And so that's one of the ways that we do that. And next Sunday, we're going to have the benefit of being able to celebrate our presence in missions, but also we're going to be able to celebrate and and learn a little bit about what is going on around the world in missions. And so I would encourage you to this week just pray um, through those needs that are presented in that in that prayer guide, and use that as just uh, an opportunity to really think about the way that God is working around the world. Well, it is uh, a special day in a lot of re- for a lot of reasons, not the least of which is it is the beginning of the Christmas season. Uh, you saw the, uh, the Christmas tree out front. Just by a show of hands, how many of you have Christmas decorations up in your house? All right, that's great, wonderful. How many of you are waiting till like December 20th? Anybody? Yeah. So, um, how many of you have, now how many of you, okay, so you've decorated inside. How many of you have decorated outside? You've got the lights outside. Man, that is great. Y'all are doing awesome. That's a, I love having Christmas lights outside. And, and, uh, now some of you have taken the cheap way out and you've gone and gotten one of those star shower things, you know, put it in front of your house and it's like done. Anybody there? Anybody there? I I see a few of you. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Y'all took the cheap way out, but you know what? It's done. It's done, and it's going to be much easier to clean up because everybody's going to be out there rolling up those lights, and you're going to be out there, you're going to take your two-star showers, and I'm done, finished, right? And what a wonderful thing that is. It is a special season. I love the Christmas season for a lot of reasons. I love to be in church around the Christmas season because it is a, it is a special time for us to celebrate the birth of Jesus and to be able to understand what it means that God sent his son as a baby so many years ago. And when I was a kid, there were a couple of songs that, uh, that kind of marked uh, the Christmas season for me. Some of you might remember um, Michael W. Smith uh, released a song back a, a lot of years ago. I'm, the, every time I think about this and look it up, I realize how old I am. But uh, a lot of years ago, I remember Michael W. Smith. You might remember Emmanuel, Emmanuel, wonderful. Okay, never mind. Um, anyway, so that was a great song. And then, it, but that was always kind of on the radio and in and, and youth group. And then in church, we would say, Emmanuel, Emmanuel, his name is called. Okay, some of you don't know it. Anyway, um, but it was, I always loved those, those couple of songs, and there were a number of others, but, but those two songs, I remember really, I, I kind of associate those with the Christmas season. And then, you know, I think about that, and, and it's a beautiful thing, but Emmanuel is a really important word in the Christmas season. As a matter of fact, that song that we sang in church so many years ago, it goes, Emmanuel, God with us, which is the meaning of Emmanuel, just so you can kind of understand. El at the end of Emmanuel represents the word Elohim, which would have been kind of the Hebrew word that they would use to refer to God, Elohim. So Emmanuel means with and El means God. So God with us. So that's kind of the idea where Emmanuel translates into God with us. 
Now, what I want to do in, for just a, a couple of moments, I want to connect a little bit about what we just did in experiencing the Lord's Supper and sharing in the Lord's Supper with that idea of Emmanuel. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to the book of Matthew. We're going to do a little bit of Bible study flipping today, but we're going to start in, uh, in Matthew chapter 1. Matthew is the first gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the gospels where they tell the story of Jesus and of his sacrifice on the cross for our sins. Matthew is the first of those four gospels. Matthew was written specifically to a Jewish audience. And we know that from a lot of things that Matthew says, but probably right at the beginning when we open the book of Matthew in chapter one, it starts off with the genealogy of Jesus. And it connects the birth of Jesus back to a very important character in Jewish life, that is Abraham. Everybody in the nation of Israel wanted to somehow connect themselves with Father Abraham had many sons and many sons. You're welcome. You'll be singing that song for the rest of the day now. So, um, the, the, so Abraham was an important figure in Jewish life. And the goal of the Israelites was to make sure that they were somehow connected back to Abraham. Jesus was connected to Abraham. And so in that, this Jewish gospel speaks of Jesus' genealogy, and and then he begins right after the genealogy to describe how Jesus was born. Verse 18, now the birth of Jesus took place in this way, when his mother Mary, and it goes on. That's that's the story of Jesus' birth. And as he gets to the end of the the birth of Jesus, he says these words in verse 22. He says, all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name, what is his name? Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, see, we read that and we think, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Emmanuel, God with us, that makes sense. But remember, it said all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Now, an Israelite who read that would go, I know which prophet. I know exactly where that was said. I know exactly what that's talking about. And they would turn back in their Bibles, and you don't have to, I'm just going to read one verse, but they would turn back in their Bibles, or their scroll, to Isaiah, what we know as Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, and this is what it says. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name, what? Emmanuel, which means... God with us. Just to give you a little bit of a, of, of a context, um, in Isaiah chapter 7, Isaiah has just been called as one of the Lord's prophets. And Isaiah's, one of Isaiah's first jobs that God gives him is to go prophesy to the king of Judah and the, uh, the king of Jerusalem. The, 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 the country of Israel has split into two, and they don't like each other anymore. You have Israel, that's kind of weird, the, the country of Israel splits into two, and one of them claims the name Israel. The other claims the name Judah. And so you have Judah and Israel, who used to be all a part of the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. Well, Israel does not like Judah, and Judah doesn't really like Israel. Israel's king partners with another king and they come to fight against Jerusalem or Judah. And they're going to fight against them and the king is really upset. God sends Isaiah to prophesy to the king of Judah. And he says, you're going to be okay. God's going to deliver you. God's going to be, God's going to handle this. All you have to do, I'm just giving you an opportunity just so you know that God is with you. Ask him for a sign. Ask him for something that only he could do so that you'll know that he is, he is on board with what's going on here. The king of Jerusalem, the king of Judah, is an evil king. 
He has not followed God's ways. He has not followed God's rules. He has not followed God's designs. But he knows something about God. So he says to Isaiah, I'm not going to ask him for a sign because the Bible, the scripture says, don't test God. So I'm not going to test him. Isaiah says, okay, that's fine. God says to Isaiah, tell him this. The Lord will send you a sign. What's going to happen is the virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son. And that son's name will be called Emmanuel, to which the king would have said, I know what that means. Emmanuel, with, El, God, God is with us. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm in a walled city and there are two nations coming against me, and I know that they're really strong and powerful, and they're probably, they probably have the ability to overtake the city and to overtake me and to take my life and to take all of my people's lives and to, and to completely overrun. One thing that I want to know in that moment is that God is with me. I don't want God to be with them. I want God to be with me. So this is a great sign for the nation of Israel, for the nation of Judah, for the king of Judah. There shall be a son that shall be born in a miraculous way. And his name will be called Emmanuel, God with us. Now, interestingly, that scripture and that prophecy did not really get fulfilled until Jesus. The king of Judah did not see that prophecy fulfilled. God did deliver them. God did fight for them. But he never saw the fulfillment because it wasn't his sign that he asked for. It was the sign that God said, I'm going to give you. God is with us. That's powerful. That is so good to know that God is with us. I thought about that. Emmanuel. It, it is a name, but it is also a statement. It is a description. Is it, it is something that helps us to see certain things. So I, I was just thinking about it. First of all, it, uh, Emmanuel is a statement of incarnation. Emmanuel is a statement of incarnation. What that means is that Emmanuel means that Jesus is born. Incarnation is where a deity takes on human flesh. And we get to experience the reality of a God in flesh. When Jesus was born in that stable, in that manger, when Jesus was born, he took on human flesh. And the God that we had worshipped for so long became a baby. Wow. That is miraculous in and of itself and every year we come around this season of the year and we celebrate a baby born in a manger who is Emmanuel God with us it's a statement of incarnation it's also a statement of assurance that God is with us Not God might be with us, or God could be with us, or God will be with us. No, God is with us. We we celebrate Emmanuel because it means that every single day when we wake up, God is with us. Every moment when we put our head down on the pillow, God is with us. Throughout our day, in good times and bad, God is with us. And we can have that assurance in our lives and not have to wonder, might God be with us? Will God be with us? No, God is with us. It's a statement of assurance. It's a statement of incarnation that Jesus is born. And thirdly, it is a statement of strength. It is a statement of power to know that God is with us, to know that we don't have to worry, but we can know that, that we can know that we are on his side, not he's on our side, because that would be a whole problem. If God was on our side, we would probably lead him way away from where we need to be, right? 
But to know that we are on his side, to know that we are a part of his family, he is our God, he is with us, we are with him, it is a statement of strength and power regardless of what we face in the world, we can know that God is with us. Isn't it good to know that God is with us? Emmanuel. God with us. You know, when we come every month and we share the Lord's Supper, it should be a reminder to us that God is with us. We don't see the name Emmanuel very often over the course of the year, but we should. As a matter of fact, every time we share the Lord's Supper, we should just in our minds go, hmm, God, Emmanuel. God is with us. Can I show you one more biblical step, though? Because I think that that's powerful. But let me take you one more step. You see, if you were to read the Bible from the book of Genesis all the way up to the beginning of the book of Acts you would see that God has been with us. God was with Adam and Eve when he created them. It says that he walked with them in the cool of the day. God was with Noah as he built the ark in the middle of the desert, even though they had never experienced rain. God was with Joseph. I'm not talking about that Joseph. I'm talking about that Joseph. I'm talking about the Joseph that was cast into a pit and then lifted out and sold to a bunch of slave traders and and taken to Egypt and then put in prison because he was falsely accused of mistreating his master's wife. God was with Moses as he ran from his family, his adopted family, but then came back as the deliverer of God's people. God was with Joshua as he marched around the city of Jericho and then shouted and all the walls fell down. Can you imagine? God was with Joshua. God was with Samson, one of the judges of Israel. In his strength, in his weakness, and in his regained strength, God was with Samson. God was with Gideon as he cast out a fleece before God to say, is this really what you're wanting me to do? And then he cast it out again, and then he cast it out again. And then he gathered an army of people to go and fight against the Midianites. And God said, you've got too many people. Send some of them home. And he literally whittled the army down to about 120 men. God was with Gideon. God was with Daniel as he was cast into the den of lions. God was with Daniel as he bowed and prayed. God was with Daniel as he, as he, as he went through the struggle of being in captivity. God was with Jeremiah, one of the prophets of God, as the nation was torn out from under him, as nobody, not one person is in, enti- in his entire prophetic ministry actually believed what he said. They just completely dismissed him, but God was with Jeremiah. God was with Isaiah. We've already talked about it, that God was with Isaiah when he went to the king of Judah and said, God is with you. God was with Isaiah. God was with Ezekiel as he prophesied. God was with Elijah and Elisha as he, as they, as they came against the nation of Israel. God was with Hosea, the prophet, as he went out and redeemed his wife who was unfaithful to him. And then he brought her back home and then she was unfaithful to him again and he brought her back home and she was unfaithful to him again and he brought her back home her name was gomer don't name your child gomer his god was with malachi god was with zechariah god was with joseph the adopted father of jesus as he looked at his young wife to be and he looked at her and said you are with what you are with child can you imagine that moment Can you imagine a a, a man who was respected and honored, had a good job, and he's looking at his wife, who he knows is innocent before himself, and he realizes that she is with child. God was with him and came to him in a dream and said, be honorable to her. Do not put her away. Do not divorce her. Do not set her aside. Instead, fulfill those marriage vows because the child that she is carrying is of the Holy Spirit. God was with Mary, the mother of Jesus, who had to go home and tell her parents as a teenage girl, 
I'm going to have a baby. No, not that way. This baby is of the Holy Spirit. Teenagers, do not try this at home. God was with Peter as he proclaimed, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then later, he denied Jesus three times, and Jesus came back and restored him three times. God was with James, the brother of Jesus, as he decided to follow Jesus. Y'all, there is probably not a better proof of the deity of Christ than that his brother believed in him. I ask you this, how much would it take for me to make you believe that your brother is the son of God? A lot. And yet he believed. God was with John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. God was with Andrew, the disciple that called to others. God was with Thomas, the one who doubted him. You look throughout Scripture and you will see God with, God with, God with, God with, God with. And it's a beautiful thing. But is God with us? I would answer that yes, but it's even better. Paul, in the book of Colossians, writing to the church at Colossae, said these words. He said, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. That is the church. Uh, of which, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make, this is important, to make the word of God fully known. What he is saying there is there's something you haven't gotten yet. There's some message that you haven't fully understood. I want to make the word of God and his message fully known. The mystery, there's a mystery that has been hidden for ages and generations, but now is revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. God with us, yes. Christ in us all the more, yes. It is no longer God with us. It is Christ in us. We have the privilege on this side of the cross to know that it is no longer, well, God's with me, God's with me, God's with me, God's with me. Now we know that Christ is in me. God is with me, yes, but he is not just with me. He is in me. I carry him around every day. You see, the fear of God with me is I can leave. The fear of God with me is I can do something to make him mad and he can leave. He doesn't, but he can. But when Christ is in me, the hope of glory, it means that I have the privilege of being able to experience him every single moment of every single day, knowing that he is right there inside of me. Christ is in us. When we share the Lord's Supper together, I want you to come to a moment each, each month when we come to that moment, I want you to say, oh, thank you for being Emmanuel, God with us. But even more, I want you to not think about it being just God with us, but Christ, Jesus, in me. I want to give you a few words. I thought about writing them in Hebrew, but I couldn't read them and you couldn't understand them. So I'm going to write the, the transliteration of these three words because I want you to be thinking about them throughout this season because you're going to see the name Emmanuel everywhere. It's just, it's just part of Christmas. You're going to see name, the name Emmanuel. 
And that's great. God with us. El Emmanuel, God with us. But I want you to think about two other words that I think are as powerful. Emmanuel means with. There's another word in the Hebrew language that means within, inside of. It is the word betok. So throughout the season, I want you to, 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 when you see Emmanuel, I want you to say, yes, God with us. But also, it doesn't really roll off. Betokel, betokel. That doesn't really roll off the tongue as well. But you got it, right? Betokel. God in us. God within us. And if you really want to take it a step further, it's not Emmanuel or Betokel. It's actually, you may not read uh, Hebrew, but I think you'll be able to understand this. It's actually Betok Messiah. You, you got that right. Come on now. It means Messiah in us. Messiah, the anointed one, the Christ, he is in us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That is where it comes down to. Christ in you, the hope of glory. During this Christmas season, let's not stop with God with us. Let's experience and know that God is in us. Christ is in you. And that is the hope of glory. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the privilege of knowing you and following you. God, I pray that you will continue to work in our lives even in these next few moments. Have your way in us. As you continue to pray this morning, I just want to give you an opportunity to respond to that. And I want to ask you just one simple question. We just said that Christ is in us. But let's make it personal. Is Christ in you? Have you given your life to Jesus? Have you trusted him as your Lord and as your Savior? If you haven't, I would love to lead you in a simple prayer of asking Jesus to come into your heart and to be your Savior. If you've never given your life to Jesus, may you do that even right now. I'd love to just simply pray for you. If you've never given your life to Jesus, take just a moment and let's pray together. If you'd like to pray to receive Christ as your Savior, would you, just so I know who I'm praying with, would you just simply lift your hand up in the air? I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to do it right now. Amen. Anyone else? I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to do it right now. Anyone, this is your moment. I'm not going to keep you for very long. But I just want to simply pray for you and pray with you. I want to give my life to Jesus. Would you just slip your hand up in the air? Anyone? There are people in this room that have raised their hand saying they want to give their life to Jesus. That's an awesome thing. If you, if you raised your hand or maybe if you didn't for whatever reason, I just want to give you an opportunity. Would you just pray these words with me? As a matter of fact, we don't think anybody should ever pray alone. So everybody in this room, we're just going to pray these words out loud. Would you repeat after me? Dear Jesus... I come to you a sinner. I believe that you came to this earth and died on the cross for me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Come into my heart. Be my savior. Forgive me of my sins and help me to live for you from this point on. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Church, it is so good to see people raise their hand and to say, I want to give my life to Jesus. But I'll tell you, there's a second step. At the end of this service, we're going to be here at the front. Pastors are going to be here at the front. We'd love to talk with you about what it means to take that next step of following Jesus as your Savior. What a wonderful, wonderful day we've had. And we're praying that God will continue to work in our hearts. Let's all stand together and let's sing this closing chorus.